Amen. You may stand and you may fight. I think the original words are you may snare and you may fight, but you're going to lose this battle tonight. Amen. I love the song. We just sing it and sing it and sing it because we put it in Satan's face saying, Satan, you can't cross the line of the blood. You can't come over here because I'm protected. <laughs> Glory. Amen. We're going to start the service off with a bang. <laughs> Amen. Just one little announcement. As you can stand, we're going to uh, that'll be all the singing we'll do tonight. Musicians, thank you. Thank you, Sister Leah, Sister Ava. I appreciate that. Sing that through the rest of this week. You can't cross the bloodline, Satan. But uh, I do want to just give a bit of an announcement just about camp. I know different ones have asked, uh, what are we planning to do with the current situation? Well, at this current point in time, we're not planning to do much. Unfortunately, with the borders, uh, there's just no opportunity to, to hold camp the way that uh, it is. So as of right now, we can't really say, and if I had to call the shot right now, there is no camp. Um, but we'll just hold on to that. We'll see how the months turn out here as we go through June and July, and and uh, and we'll just see how it is. So if you can just kind of wait with us, it'll be different. Um, if we do hold a camp and the Lord allows that, it'll be very different um, format, just considering the obviously the different situation. But uh, if I would just from something on my heart, if the Lord allowed it, would be just a time for the family to come together again and uh, just spend some time together and. Uh, I would appreciate just being able to sit around a little campfire and talk to each other and sing some songs together, you know, and that would be something that would just be so lovely to be able to do. And so it'd be, again, a bit different, but um, uh, we'll just see how the Lord allows. So that's a little bit about camp, just so you can tuck that in your heart, and we'll see what the Lord wills on that. Amen. Well, we can turn in your scriptures uh, tonight, and we'll kind of open uh, our Bibles to Second Peter. And I was just pondering, you know, the Lord deals with everybody differently. I'm sure each minister has, uh, the Lord deals with them in a different way. And different times, the Lord will just put a, a word on on your heart and it just kind of sits there and and uh, you start pondering it and can sit there for a long time and it kind of comes out a little bit more. And and uh, and so I was just, I was looking in the scripture and the word just interpretation was uh, on my heart and my mind. I was just pondering it and so as I was studying, I, I, uh, I've never done a part two of anything thus far. And, um, and so I, when I was reading the scripture, lo and behold, actually the scripture that we're going to take the opening, uh, word out is actually, uh, the next, if you look at my Bible, it's the next column from where we had our last service. So this isn't really part two, but it happens to be in the same chapter of where last services was unintentional. So you can call it what you want. It might be a part two. All right. So we're going to start in Peter, first, uh, second Peter chapter one, and we're going to start at verse 12. Amen. Maybe just before we do that, we'll just pray. Precious Lord, as we approach your word, we approach it with respect and reverence. Lord, in all humility, for Lord, this is your word. And Lord, it's gone through the ages, and you've placed and moved people. And as we even will talk about tonight, Lord, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to bring this word to what it is today that we could handle. But Lord, it's none other than Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we don't handle this word frivolously or with, Lord, just as a service. But Lord, we open our scriptures knowing that this is Jesus Christ, the word. Lord, before us, Lord. And so when we read it, we read it that we're reading something straight from the throne of God. So, Lord, may we just approach this service tonight with all reverence, Lord, and respect. 
Lord, we just want to hear from you. So we will open your book. Speak to us, Lord. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And just note, I know you're probably wondering for all the technical people out there. Yes, we are down to one camera. Precious Butter Daniel's behind the, the tripod. And uh, we had a little bit of a power supply issue. And we're here for one camera. So there, put that to rest. And I'm going to hope maybe I'll stand still and not make him work tonight. We'll see what happens. All right. Amen. First Peter, sorry, second Peter chapter one, verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance. Peter is saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be negligent here. I'm going to help you remember these things, he says, though ye know them. So we might be going through some things that you know, but Peter said, I'm not going to be negligent in putting you in remembrance of these things you already know. All right. So you say, well, I heard that before. Talk to Peter because he wrote this under inspiration to say, I'm going to bring it back to your memory again. Okay, so here we are. Though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance again. Remembrance. So if it's again something, you know, Peter's saying you're going to learn it, know it again, knowing that surely I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Peter's trying to uh, put this over and over and over again. Remember these things. I'm going to bring it to your remembrance. I'm going to put this in remembrance. And after I'm gone, remember these things. So he's mentioned this at least three times. And so I would take the cue and say that's probably very important that we remember these things. All right. Chapter uh, verse 17, uh, 16:4. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? That's a truth. That's such a precious truth. We have not followed just a, a, a made up story or some fairy tale or some fiction. We've not followed cunningly devised fables. Amen. But we've, when we made, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter referring to the Mount Transfiguration, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. He was an eyewitness of this. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. All right. 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. No prophecy of this scripture is of any private interpretation. So... I'm going to see how the Lord can lead and just to help me a little bit. Uh, hopefully it doesn't feel a little bit uh, all over the map a little. And we'll just help the, pray the Lord can channel some thoughts. But I'm, I'm going to start as I was studying. I actually took a little devotion for the students at BCA. And I thought I'd actually start this uh, because interpretation revolves around um, words. Uh, and if you talk, look at the word, we're, we're dealing with the word of God, which has a, a lot of word in here. And so I want to just back up a little bit and just lay a little bit of a front foundation about the power of our words, because uh, I don't I think we underestimate that. And so a little the BCAers, you can uh, if 
God might need, is maybe telling you that you need to hear this twice. And so you're going to hear a little bit of this. And we took in the scripture in James. James talks about the tongue. And even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. He talks about it being able to, uh, a small little thing, being able to drive a ship is in James. He talks about it. The tongue, behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindled. He talks about a little spark that can just burst forth a major inferno of flame. And he's saying, even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasteth great things. James talks about a bridle in the mouth of a horse, and how it can turn a horse, even though the horse may be huge, that little teeny bridle in the mouth moves it at will, and he refer- he's referring the tongue to this, all right? The tongue is, is such a teeny little member, but it's a tongue of fire, a world of iniquity. It is a fire, he says, so the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Pretty powerful, our little tongue is. The words that we can bring out of our mouth via our tongue and the the speech that we can form, but so many times we don't take any thought for what we're actually saying. And, And we just shoot out the words and as fast as we can go and we, and we burn out and we, and we don't know the impact that that is actually having, how much, how our words can actually be, be so impacting. I took just, just to give an example, I told the children at the BCA, I said, you know, you can take two phrases, you know, it's such a, a, a teeny little change in it. You know, you can say, I love you and you can say, I hate you. And there's actually only a three letter change between that. Not a whole lot of difference, but the, the impact of one is so far and diverse from the impact of the other. And it might not be a whole lot, but the the, the mouth is able to do that. Our words are able to do such power. You can bring and say, I love you. And that can just fill someone with such a a feeling of of belonging and love and, and a part of something and their relationship is strengthened. And you can do the exact opposite by just actually changing three letters in that whole phrase and completely annihilate a relationship and, and, and make a catastrophe of something by just actually just a little bit of speech out of our mouth. And so our words, the, the words we speak are, are incredible, have an incredible effect. Of course, so then we must think, Think before you speak. How many parents have probably said that? I'm sure someone here will raise their, their hands, and many of you will do in your, in, your, in your house. Think before you speak, because too many times we don't, and it comes out of our mouth. And I wrote down here, I know in this technical age, a lot of it is here. Right? So let's not, let's take the words. Let's also take our, our verbal words. We've got words in the scripture, and, but all the words you can put in an email or words you can put in a text form and the impact of those. And you just rattle them out and you send a fireball right out of your phone and you've taken no thought of the fire that that word has kindled. Sticks and stones, I told the children, may break my bones. We've all know this. But words can never hurt me. I said, that can't be further from the truth because words can hurt you much more than sticks and stones because you can heal from a stick that smacked you on the arm. But it takes sometimes years, sometimes never in somebody's life by a word that's been inflicted to somebody and it's hurt them beyond measure and actually beyond psychological repair. And so that phrase is, is so so wrong. The words can shatter and they can alter the course of one's life. Proverbs says, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. All right? Like the piercings of a sword. So so your your words can wound 
And in fact, it says that in another scripture in Proverbs, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. My, this is scripture. This is just Wednesday night, little mashed potatoes and roast beef cooking. Tonight, if you haven't had that in a long time, this one's going to fill you up. All right, burning lips and a wicked heart are like the potsherd covered with silver dross. Solomon's just saying it's just like this old piece of pottery, but it's got silver dross and, and, and beautification on the outside. Burning lips and a wicked heart. You know, so I, I, I you know, we, we, we need to just, I wanted just to show a demonstration. So here, you know, our words, we don't take a thought of what we say. And sometimes we can drop, just by dropping one negative word into someone's life, it, it, start, it, does a, it can have a major change. And we're not thinking of what we're saying. We're not thinking of what we're doing. And sometimes we just continually drop just we're negative words into, into someone's life. And, and we don't really know it. But it's actually causing great damage to them. It's, it's, it's filling them up with, with you know, complexes. And, 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 just, and you're causing so much toil and pain in their mind. They don't understand it. And here you've dropped those into their life. And you might not even think anything about it. And then maybe some, you become aware of it. And now pull them back. Pull, pull, those, pull those words out. Bring, bring them back out of that person. Undo this. You can't. It's been done. You can say, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't, I didn't mean that at all, you know. But the damage of your words has been done. And it, in many cases, would take God to deal with that and take that away of what we did with our words or with our texting or with our communications. And so words are, are extremely powerful, extremely powerful. And so just laying right at the beginning, I'm wanting you to just to see the impact of a word, the impact of a word. Scripture says in Second Timothy, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they that they strive not about words to no profit. He's avoid petty words, controversy over words, but to the subverting of the hearers. Amplified says words that do no good and upset and undermines or ruins the faith of those who listen. That's what the Amplified says on that. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. We took last service, what house will you build me? And godliness is what God is trying to build up into us. And is saying, shun this. Vain babblings, because it brings more ungodliness. You want godliness? Scripture is telling us to watch this. And their word will eat. Their word will eat as doth a canker, as doth a canker. But who of whom is and he names two names: Hymenius and Philetus. Who concerning the truth of erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. So here there were some that were, that were giving, that were saying certain words and they were, they were talking to different people and they were saying things and that were, that were wrong and they were overthrowing the faith of some. Whoa. What a 
grave responsibility. They have said words that has overthrown the faith of some by their words. So we must watch what we're saying. I could go into that, but I'm just wanting to lay that down right at the front. How we must watch that we're not doing this to someone's life. And the regret that we will have because we can't pull that back. And I don't want that to be as a lingering remembrance constantly through the service. But I want you to remember and just reflect shortly as we started here, the power of our word. Now, there's a connection between our word and our heart. All right? Because it expresses, our words actually express or reflect what's inside of us. Okay? This is scripture. Matthew twelve thirty three. either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by its fruit. Okay. Oh, generation. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees of vipers. How can ye being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of your of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So what's inside you bubbling inside who you are comes out. And that is showing actually what is in, what's really in your heart. But Brandon says, that made them a hypocrite because they were trying to say one thing, but in their heart was another and, the, and Jesus was discerning them. They thought one thing in their heart and expressed their lips something else. A hypocrite is that, he says, and that's what makes a hypocrite. How can you being hypocrites? For out of the abundance of the heart speaketh the mouth. My, you don't see You don't speak what you really think. See what I mean? You must say what you think. If you don't think it, don't say it. (laughs) This is just a little family time. If you don't think it, don't say it. Speak your words. Let them come from the bottom of your heart. From the bottom of your heart. It'll come out at some time. You can, you can, you can just kind of put something out there and pretend. But at some point, out of the abundance of the heart, it'll come out and shows the true colors. And if it's all goodness inside, if it's all Christ inside, that's going to come out all the time. Amen? And that's what we want to come out. But I want you to note, out of the heart, the mouth speaketh, alright? Now a word is a, so a word is a thought expressed. There's something there. So, if that's our words, if that's uh, the, the impact, and our words can have this impact, and we'll just go into this a little bit. What about God's word? We can talk about all the, what we're saying and the impact that we can have, but here's God's word. And all that he says to us and all that is in this, all right? What kind of impact is this gonna ha- could this have? Or, okay, what kind of impact? Because if, if a word is a thought expressed, here's the word of God. This is the thought of God expressed. Okay? God's word is his thoughts expressed. His words, it's his, his word is an expression of his love. It's an expression of his thoughts out of his heart. God had holy men, as we read, moved them by the Holy Ghost to express himself to us through the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the same was made flesh. Jesus Christ is the word made flesh, and this is the word of God. Would we not, do we not agree? So this is Jesus Christ in letter form. So as the word expresses who he is, and we, all through scripture, and we did a couple of services go showing all through scripture, all the types, 
all the shadows that were expressing who he was. And we won't go into that in any depth, but this was God showing who he was in type form and then manifested himself in Jesus Christ when he came to earth. And here wraps all this up for us to say, here am I, here am I in, in word. Here's my word to you. All right. So if we can, if these, if our words have such impact, if our words can hold such incredible power to affect someone's life, here's God's word. What kind of power what kind of impact can this have? Amen. Proverbs 15 says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. A word spoken in due season. How good it is. So we say, well, okay, man can say things. But let's just, if we just read, read out of God's word, I just thought, you can just read scripture and there's a power behind that. Because it's not my words, it's not your words, it's his word. See, well, that's just led on a page. No, that's Jesus Christ in word form to strengthen you, to give you peace. I wrote scriptures down for you. Hold these if this applies to you, if you need this. If you're Psalms 91, I love Psalms 91. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Is that not today? He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. That's his word. That starts to bubble forth. That just just fills you up with strength and with, with reassurance. That's my God. That's because it's his word and it has power in it. Amen. It said, the Lord give strength unto his people. The Lord bless thee, his people with peace. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. These are scriptures that many of you have all read. And they've provided you with the peace that you've needed in a time of great sorrow or in a time of great strain. And you've needed peace and comfort. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring these to remembrance. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but unto obtain salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is in this word. That's, that's, that's everything right there. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen? How about love? You need love tonight. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God. This is all in his word that provides us the strength we need to go forward in our day-to-day walk. It's all here in his word. And I'm just pulling out little ones. I said, Lord, this is, your word is so incredible. Do you need healing? They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Amen. In Exodus, he said, I put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. 
Amen. Do you need deliverance tonight? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Amen. And recovering the sight of the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. Glory. That's scripture. That's a word in due season that brings, as Solomon said, joy by the answer of his mouth. A word spoken in due season. How good it is in God's word. I want you to see that there. Amen. So if there's, if that is just so beautiful and God has given this, his word here for, for our strength and for our, our comfort and our healing. And James on a natural side telling us to be extremely cautionary and watch our words, watch what you speak. All right. And we can see the power of the natural. And just by, just by reading these scriptures, the power of God's word, it doesn't take much to just read a couple of scriptures and you're already feeling strengthened. You're already feeling renewed because it's his word. There's a power behind that. All right. Now, what if they're left to be deciphered and interpreted by man? If you were, if you were in another language, Brother Murphy would relate to this really well because he's, their brothers are translating up there. But when there's a, a, a communication and words are stated and it gets mixed up, things can happen. Bad things can happen. In fact, naturally, HSBC had to uh, spend $10 million because someone made a mistake in their branding campaign. And instead of their slogan, which said, assume nothing, was their slogan, someone thought and they translated that in a different country as do nothing. And that didn't quite have the right connotation that HSBC was wanting. So they had to spend $10 million trying to change that. Because someone took some words and misinterpreted it. And here now they had to spend big money. Uh, in Japan, during World War II, there was a, uh, the total surrender of Japan was being issued. And there was what's called the Potsdam Declaration. And during a news conference which was held, uh, the Japanese premier, he, t- he said, no comment. We're still thinking about it is what was, was effectively what he said. But however, he, he used the word for no comment, which actually meant or could also mean we're actually we're ignoring in contempt. And that was translated wrongly. And we know what happened. Because someone heard a certain word and they said, oh, I, it means this. And it actually didn't, it could, there are certain words that could mean different things as people are interpreting in different languages. And so you can see the, the catastrophic effects that by someone, some man's idea of what this means can actually have, just even in our natural, in our natural, uh, in our natural life. And I have a number of one. Another gentleman was in a hospital and his family came in and they gave a certain word and they thought that it meant he was intoxicated. And actually he had something totally different and they didn't treat him correctly. And he became a quadriplegic because the translator didn't translate the correct words. And there was a $71 million lawsuit because he actually became paralyzed because they didn't treat him fast enough. They could have saved him all because of a word that was translated, oh, it means intoxication. And it didn't mean that. It could have meant, it meant something a little different. Instead of drugs, it was actually poison. And so just a slight little piece there 
and had a very drastic, drastic effect on the poor man. So we can see that words left to be deciphered and interpreted by man can have drastic, drastic effects. And so here, Scripture says, as we read in the, in the, in the Scripture, Scripture is not for private interpretation. It's not left for just anyone to come in and, oh, that's what I think it means. Because if the natural has those drastic impacts, what do you think the spiritual would have if every other man would come along and just be like, well, I think this is what this scripture means. Your spiritual life would be just as catastrophically impacted as even these examples. Okay, so it's not for private interpretation. So here's why Satan, he's so intent on sowing seeds of discrepancy. Something that's contrary to what the word is. Because he wants you to not receive the full power of the word. Okay? Because if the, if you, if this word, God will honor his word, his pure word. But if it's tampered with, or deviated with, or a seed of discrepancy, a discrepancy, or a seed that's contrary to it, it renders, God won't honor it. God won't honor his word when it's been tampered, when it's been hybrid. Alright? And so that's why if he can remove you from receiving the full power of his word, Satan has done his job. And here's why God has protected his word down through the ages to ensure that down through the ages his word has been maintained and he's kept it in every single age. And here we are even going through it now as the word in China and where God is making sure that his word in its fullness and in its power is being is spread through his people, to his people, and no deviation from it is allowed. Brother Branham says, now we find out here in the book of Matthew, Jesus still brands any discrepancy to his word as being the devil, period. He says that anything that sows discrepancy, that discrepancy that's contrary to the written word of God or puts any private interpretation to it is the seed of discrepancy. God will not honor it. He can't. It won't mix. It certainly will not. It's like mustard seed. It won't mix with anything else. You can't hybrid it. It's got to be the genuine thing. Seed of discrepancy. My. And so you can see a prophet is saying, you can't tamper with this. There's, you cannot mix this or hybrid this word, okay? If you do anything and put your own thought in there, well, I think this is of the devil. That's as straight as it needs to be. God interprets his own word. Okay? He doesn't need no man to come in and say, well, this is what God's meaning. No, no. Step aside, man. This is what you did. You caused some grave issues just in a couple of weeks. Why would we want man to try and figure out what God's word is when we're dealing with someone's eternal life? Step aside. I will interpret my own word to my people. Amen? He said, but Abraham, you listen to the message. God said, let there be light. And didn't have to step in there. Well, this is what he means. Actually, uh, this is going to happen. And, and then this will happen. No, no. He said, let there be light. And there was light. We have light today. God, you, nobody needed to interpret that for God. He said it, and it came to pass interpreted. Amen? A virgin shall conceive. Well, that sat there for a long time. Hundreds of years that sat there. And I'm sure there was a lot of debate and a lot of wondering and a lot of rabbis all trying to figure out what this actually means as Isaiah, when he prophesied a virgin shall conceive and it sat there. And it might even became forgotten. And it just sat there and a lot of debates possibly about it. It didn't mean that. 
nothing. It didn't mean nothing because God spoke it. And if it's God's word, he's going to bring it to pass no matter what. All he was waiting for was the right moment, the right time when a Mary stepped forth onto the earth. And right then and there when he came and Gabriel came, what did she see? All God was waiting for was be it unto me according to your word. That's all he was waiting for. And then what happened is the word started coming to manifest itself and interpret itself through a little girl that then became filled with the Holy Ghost and birthed Jesus Christ. That's God dealing with his own word and interpreting his own. He doesn't need me or you to worry about what it what it means. He told Noah it's going to rain. Noah, it's going to rain. Noah had to wait 120 years for that to come to pass. And again, a lot of debate, a lot of scorn, a lot of mockery, a lot of bickerings, a lot of whatevers from all of the scorners that were uh, fronting Noah. But what happened? It rained. So when God says something, there's not really a lot of benefit in trying to figure out or, or debate it or whatever. If he says it, it will come to pass. Just let it take place at its right time. God will interpret his own word. Abraham, he said, you'll have a son. Amen. A spoken word son. And he inter- that word interpreted was in an Isaac. Now, Brother Branham says, Sarah, though, Sarah thought she could interject there and interpret that herself. And here we had a Hagar then step in and we got an Ishmael. He says, you step in to that. You try and interject yourself into that. And they got a thorn in the flesh. He says, every time you try to jump in or, or mix yourself or interpret God's word like that, you're going to get a thorn in the flesh. Allow God to interpret his own word and manifest what he's desiring. Just stay with the word. Amen? And let that come to pass. So Satan has a great desire to inject into a false word. He wants to try and corrupt God's plan because God's wanting to bring forth a bride and Satan and down to the ages, right from the very beginning, has tried to stop that. And we know the very beginning, Satan stepped in and we don't, we don't have to look too far when we can look at the Garden of Eden and there it just took one little word, one little deviation. Oh, but Eve said, he said, if we did, we'd die. Oh, you think that a good loving father would, would do a thing like that? No, he'd never want you to die or his child. Oh, of course, why would why would a father want his child to die? I mean, that's just unreasonable. Mm-hmm, of course that's unreasonable. So you're built for this, Eve. You know, he does, this is what you're made for. And she listened to the reason. He say, it's a tree of delight, Brother Branham says. What did she do? She listened and took his wisdom. And she fell for it exactly. And what happened, like would to any woman as soon as you fall for it it finishes he said right there now you see the seed that she was holding would have finally become a mother by the will of god through a spoken word it would have happened if she had just let god interpret his own word through the spoken word he said it would have happened she would have finally become a mother but she couldn't wait and went into that one word Now we see, as soon as she did that, accepted wisdom. Wisdom was contrary to the word. He said, you understand? Congregation said, amen. He says, but if wisdom is against the word, not with the word, but trying to find something to add to it or take away from it, it's of the devil. 
Peter's saying, bring to remembrance. I've heard this before, but God is saying you have to stay with this word in its entirety. Not everything but one word. One word out of all these thousands of words. Not one word. Can we just like one little piece could just turn my own thought? No, not even one. Not even one three letter word. Not, not nothing. It's got to be this entirely. And then the power of that can then manifest in your life. One word out and it was death to the whole world. Just a little leaven. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor circumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Galatians says, ye did run well, but who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Ye did run well. Many start out, they're running well. And they are in the race and they're fighting the good fight and they're running well. But he's saying, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Something happened that they something got mixed in somewhere that they now are not obeying the truth. And the next sentence, the next verse is a little leaven, just a little sin, just a little thought contrary to the word of God, just something so small. Leaveneth the whole lump. I said, Lord, help us. Uh, nobody is in that position. And if you are, you take a check on where you are. Did I run well? Was I running well? And where am I at? Am I running as well as I was? Am I running better? Am I stronger? Am I going faster? Am I carrying this, the, 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 the word as, as, as I did? And I'm pressing to the finish line. I'm going to finish strong. You did run well. What did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Something happened. And it was just a little leaven, a little thought. And now you obey, do not obey the truth. Only a small deviation will pervert the life in you. And so we take caution in this. I mean, this is a little Wednesday night service. A little devotion here. But Brown said, you know, well, I see. I believe this goes here. He says, no, if you take this, I think, I know this goes here, this goes there. And the human mind, you know, for, puts things together. He's referencing the scriptures or, or a certain, um, or an image. Uh, first thing you know, your scene would be wrong. He said, if you, if you did that, a human mind, he said, you have a cow picking grass on the top of a tree. Because you don't, you don't know how it goes. That's what the human mind would, would come up with, right? And God, oh God, revealed to me something. If it isn't according to this word and ties the word together, then your revelation's wrong. He's saying, oh God, somebody said, God revealed to me something. I've heard this lots of times in my short life. I, a lot of people, well, God revealed to me. That's a really big statement. And you better be able to back that up. You better back that up. Because what happens is it wasn't God that revealed it to you. And they're not here. Because A, you need to come and repent. God did not reveal that to me. That was an evil spirit. And you repent for that. That's, that's the only way to back out of that one. Is to come and say, yeah, I was wrong. It was an evil spirit that did that. Because if it wasn't of God, who would it be? So you say that, you better be able to go to the word and say, I can back me up 
all the way through Genesis to Revelation. Okay, not just whoa, one little teeny thing here. No, no, the whole word has to back up your revelation. And if it ain't here, you just keep it inside and don't speak it because it wasn't God that revealed it to you then. Be very careful saying those words. But Abraham said, if it isn't according to this word and ties the word together, your revelation's wrong. In the Old Testament, if a prophet prophesied, if a dreamer dreamed a dream, no matter how real it seemed before the church would ever accept it, it had to be proven by the Urim and Thummim. So we all know the pictures as we're growing up with the high priest and he has the, the, the rocks, uh, the Urim and Thummim, and it has all the different stones, okay? That's the Urim and Thummim. And now they would go before that, the breastplate of Aaron, and it would light up to either accept or reject what you were saying, was you just received from God, okay? So it had to light up. And say, yep, that, that's correct. And that's what happened. He goes, but we got a new Urim and Thummim. And that's the word of God. Here's our Urim and Thummim right here. And if it doesn't line up with this, every word, then it's not of God. If it does, glory. And you move into that. And you walk into that. Because then that will hold you. That will move you. That will grow you. But only if it's the pure word of God. But Brandon was dealing with dealing with a lot of with baptism in the in the titles, and he said, if your revelation doesn't tie, and you say, well, God revealed to me that I should be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. If that don't tie with the word from Genesis to Revelation and tie it together, then your revelation's wrong. And he dealt with that all, all the way through. It had to line up with the word, and I'm amazed. Brother Branham dealt with that over and over and over again and how he could show through the scripture, but yet they could not deviate from their own interpretation. That's pretty, pretty incredible. But if you're not baptized in his name, you're not baptized. You're not baptized in him, in his name. You're just baptized in a title as good as any title. Whether it's governor, whether it's prince, whether it's whatever. It's a title. You're not baptized in his name. And he was dealing with that over and over again because they were not, they were not, their revelation didn't match the word. And we can look at that and whatever God reveals to you, it better match the word in its entirety. I am so, I couldn't even put into words. Thrilled, overjoyed, thankful. I just, I don't have it. I don't have the English vocabulary of words for being able to see this message. The word of the Lord came to the prophets of old. The reason they called them prophets, Brother Abraham says, because they had the interpretation of the divine word. A prophet. So why a prophet was so important. And it had to, they, what they said, if it didn't come to pass, then you didn't listen to him. That's what Brother Brandon went in. Because they were divinely sent and signs and wonders followed, they improved, proved that they were. God said in his scripture, if there be a prophet among you, and if he says things and it's not right, don't come to pass, don't fear him. But if it does come to pass, then hear him, for I am with him. And the very word prophet means divine interpreter of the divine word. Amen. The signs and wonders that makes the word manifest is a sign that it came. So if he said something and it came to pass, hear him. And how, how many examples do we need, do we have after every message we go through and there's just discernment after discernment. I just listened to one today and he said, 
And he's just going through Abraham and Sarah and how the, the three would come, came to, came to him. And it, as it was in the days of Lot. And here they come. Lot, the two that went down to, to Lot. And he talks to Billy Graham and he goes through it. H-A-M, first messenger that had, a, had the last three letters, six letters, Graham, H-A-M and such. And he's just laying it right there, waiting for you to figure out the rest. And he's standing there. He says, I'm just going to turn my back. And how plain does it get? How plain does it get over and over and over again? And then people go out and wonder, and they wonder about, oh, the, the bridge and cloud and what all this other stuff. Let's go to the Word. Let's see what matches up on the Word when we can hear where he's dividing this and interpreting this. Does it line up? Yes, it does. There's not one time where anything that the prophet has said that deviates from this Word. Never once did a sermon happen where he turned his back or whatever he did. Ever was it like, no, that's not right. Never one time. That prophet you listen to. It's that simple. Amen. Matthew 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And false, uh, it's anointed ones in the end time. That's a strong message. Brother Brandon's very straight there. Very straight. Nothing over this pulpit's as straight as that. I sit in my little chair. I'm like, whoa, my. Boy, if I said that, that would be, whoo, no, sir. I'll leave it for a prophet to say that. <laughs> but here, Brother Branham is showing, here's the word as we're talking, the, the importance of this word. Not perverted, not one word. And here Satan is, in the last days, he's going to send false Christs that are anointed, anointed, but teaching false truth. And I, he gave, the, when he talks about the tr- grafted tree, and he talks about, and he goes and sees the orange tree. I believe it was. And he's talking to the farmer there. And the tree is there. And he had a uh, like a grapefruit or something. It was a, it was a branch grafted in. He says, well, you know, is that going to produce oranges? He says, no. That's going to produce grapefruits or lemons or whatever it was on the tree. And it just, that can just, uh, you can hear false anointed ones. You can wrestle with that maybe. But that just gave such a clarity to that. If you need it, you read that. Because it can show you there's a life in the tree that's going through that branch but the fruits of that branch can't alter what it is and if it's not the original branch it's not going to put out oranges it's going to put out whatever's in the life of the branch even though the source is coming from the real tree what comes out of the branch is where that branch came from and if it's not of God, it's going to produce fruits that aren't of God. It's going to produce grapefruits instead of the original fruit, which would be an orange. And it help you understand how the anointing can be there, but what they're saying, what their fruits are, what their words are, are contrary to the word of God. And Butter Bradham gives us a couple examples of that. And he talks about Jeremiah and Hananiah. And just to help us understand this and how to be watchful, because this is in our time, false Christ show great signs and wonders in so much as if it were possible, it will deceive the very life. That's pretty close. Because I, you know, I sat there, I said, you know, the denomination's not close. It's not, it's not going to deceive, not going to deceive me, if it was possible. It, it, it's not that close. 
it's not even, it's just not even in the realm. The Catholic Church is not something I'm, I'm, well, is it? Or, you know, the, 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 some other denominational doctrine. I don't know. No, it's not even there. So it's gotta be closer than that. Brother Branham then was bringing that, but we're a little, we're down the road a little bit, and he's giving us instruction, and Peter's saying, remember, I'm gonna bring into remembrance, you might have heard these things, but here we are at a time, what are we needing to be watchful for? Here's what we need to be watchful for. Maybe just down the road. And so here Jeremiah and Hananiah, Jeremiah has said that uh, they're going to be going to, into captivity for, seven, for 70 years. And I, I have the Thompson chain. I was just looking at the, they kind of put some, some numbers, uh, dates, you know, reference kind of maybe this was when. And, and so just roughly on that, when Jeremiah, the first, I think it's 25, chapter 25, Jeremiah prophesies that. And it's about, oh, my Bible is like 10 years prior to this occurrence. And so Jeremiah prophesied this quite a bit ago. Uh, according to, you know, history is trying to figure that out. So there was time. This wasn't like yesterday. And then th- they had this, in, they, they met in the, uh, in the temple here. This was, this was years that actually had transpired. So Jeremiah spoke this and Jeremiah had been prophesying and trying to bring the people. They were evil. They were living evil ways. And he was saying, this is going to happen. And God had prophesied this, said, you're going to go into captivity into Babylon for seven years. All right. And he goes, if you keep my commandments, I won't do this. But Abraham says, but if you don't, it's coming to you. He said, that's exactly right. So, Jeremiah, he's a vindicated prophet. And everybody hated Jeremiah. Generally, the prophets of old were always the minority. They, nobody liked them. Because they were trying to come against what the people were doing. They were living in sin. They were doing something wrong. And so the prophet was coming to try and bring them back into line. And nobody, they hated that. And so he said, thus saith the Lord. You're going to go into seven years of captivity. And here now, they come in to the... Uh, Scripture says they came and it came to pass. Um, I'll just catch up here. And Hananiah, he comes in, the son of Azar, prophet. Okay. Scripture says that Hananiah, the son of Azar, the prophet, was, uh, which was at Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, this is Jeremiah, in the presence of the priests. So here everybody's all around, all the people saying, thus speak of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. This is Hananiah. With two full years, I will bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away, that took away from this place and carried them into Babylon. So Hananiah is saying, two years. It's going to happen. He breaks the yoke that Jeremiah was actually wearing. He, uh, scripture says in the prophets, um, Hananiah, uh, the prophet, scripture says, then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. So we have some, some controversy in here. Here, one prophet, according to scripture, says it's two years. Another prophet has said 70 years. Now what? Who's right? Where would you be standing then? And you're one of the priests, and you're having to discern who's correct. You might be standing in that position in one day short from now, and you need to be able to know, how do I know? How do I discern this? How do I know which one is right? But Abraham, two anointed prophets, how was the difference in them? One had speaking the word, and the other one didn't. So one was, one wasn't. You know, they didn't. Li- they don't like that anyway. He goes, so I'm a prophet. I'm more of a prophet than you, this is Hannah and I, because you're prophesying a lie. You tell me God's people is going to be under such and such a saying. He says, and, and so he's just giving an illustration. And 
the key would be is to go back, and Brother Brown says about it, you have to go back and see which one lines up with the word. That's going to be your key, and we'll go through that in a little bit. And so here they're wondering, oh, he said, oh, brother, don't worry. Um, everything's all right. Two years, we'll be back. And this whole thing that's happened, it's just, it's nothing unusual. You know, it's just, it's just something little Nebuchadnezzar came up here, but our God will take care of it, all of this. It's, it's all good. No, no, no problems. And here Hananiah is trying to, trying to just taper this down. But the word said that they'd be there for 70 years. That's a long time. It's kind of almost two generations. But and the Bible says, nevertheless, hear thou, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and great against great kingdoms of war and evil and of pestilence. The prophet which prophesieth peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known. So you got prophets prophesying, oh, things, um, uh, against kingdoms and war and evil. But then if there's a prophet, he prophesies peace. If this one prophesies peace and it comes to pass, then he's a prophet. And so it just takes sometimes time to find out which, which one is. And Jeremiah walked out of there. I thought this was so incredible. Jeremiah walked out of there as with it was Moses, but around talks about Moses. He talks about Micaiah and he walked out. He says, Lord, I don't care what he said. I believe and know that the word says so, and I'll stay true to you. It didn't derail Jeremiah that someone else was coming out and saying, no, 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 it's two years, you're wrong, it's not 70. No, no, he said, no, I know whom I, whom I believe it. I know God spoke to me, and I'm just going to let time. God will interpret his word. That's all. Jeremiah didn't have to worry about it. He didn't foster must. But Abraham goes into that quite a bit with Moses and Aaron and how Janice and Jambres were... Uh, replicating the the uh the plagues of course moses was the original and that they would do it and moses was the original and then they would do it and it never rattled moses he didn't it didn't matter to him because he knew god was backing him up all the way and at some point god would interpret it all and what happened was egypt was destroyed it didn't phase moses and it didn't phase jeremiah either and what happened 70 years and here what do you think hananiah was two years from then a false prophet Same thing happened with Micaiah and Zedekiah with dealing with Ramoth Gilead and Ahab and Jehoshaphat. And here they were up. Ahab wanted to go to war and to battle. And, and uh, I always found it I always interesting when Ahab and Jehoshaphat says, is there one more? Is there one more that can come? Because all these prophets are saying, go up, go up, take the land. And these are all, but Abraham says, good fundamental, good fundamental, um, you know, truths. Yeah, the, you know, the Lord's going to give you your land and claim the land that he's given you. And they're taking food away from your children. Going, These are all wonderful, you know, um, objectives here. But Jehoshaphat says, you know, there's just one more. I, just one more prophet. Yeah, there is one more, but he always speaks evil of me, is what uh, Scripture talks about in Ahab. But anyways, they go and get Micaiah, and he's... He's there, and Zedekiah is the is the uh, prophet there as well, and he he's now speaking what he feels is happening, and he's he's got these horns of iron. We're going to push the Syrians out, is what he's saying. And again, you have a situation where you have you now one person saying one thing, and the messenger goes out to Micaiah, and he says, "Listen here." He goes, he said, "Hey, the prophets declare good unto the king." With one mouth. Just let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them and speak that which is good. You know, just, just, just go along with these guys. Just say what they're saying. Just, you know, back them up 
and it's it'd just be good. Don't cause any more controversy because obviously my guy had had that uh, uh, reputation. And Ahab's saying, I don't like him. He speaks evil. Of course, because Ahab was doing evil. He was doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Horrible. You think, so now what do you think? It doesn't take much to see, hmm. I wonder which which one is is going to be standing right. They just need to look back and see what the word had prophesied over Ahab is what they should what should have been what would have been asked. That's what Brother Bram says. Now, how can you tell which was right and wrong? Watch what the word promised to Ahab. We know what the word had promised to Ahab. The dogs would lick his blood. So how could Micaiah come up and prophesy something totally different? And wh- where was Zedekiah? Where was he prophesying when he knew that God had nothing good about Ahab? He'd spoken nothing good. Ahab had an end coming. Right? So Micaiah comes up. And he says, go and prosper for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. <laughs> that Lord has a sense of humor. <laughs> Ahab says... Uh, this is, I just I chuckled when I read this. And the king said, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? <laughs> Ahab knew, no, no, that's not right. You're not it's not true to your form. You're not saying what's in these, and you're not saying what uh, is really the word from the Lord. <laughs> and he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that not have a shepherd, and the Lord said, These have no master, let them return every man to his peace. So here Micaiah was saying exactly what the Lord had seen. Israel scattered. And the king of Israel said, See, did I not tell you that he would prophesy no good? And now we have two standing here. One saying, Iron horns, push Syria out. We're going to get our land back. And the other saying, I see Israel scattered. And where are you standing there? Where would you have stood? Which one, which, who's right? And you have to be able to know the word of God. And we go back to the word of God. And that's going to be the what you need to find out which one is right or wrong. You hear someone say something. Oh, I don't know about that's right. Don't you take any seed of whatever somebody's thoughts. You go to the word of God. That is your basis point for everything. And if it doesn't align with that to the T, you discard that faster than you can shake a stick. Because it will just cause a seed of doubt to bring up in your mind. And it causes you trouble. So you say, if it ain't here... I don't even want to hear it. And if you you check it, you better have gone back and forth in all these scriptures before you even mention something that is maybe something off or some other thought that you've read from the internet. You better go back through this. Back, forth, back, forth before you even breathe that word to anybody. So these examples showing that it can actually be very close. Which one is right or wrong? And you have to. God pointing back, this is the answer. To all of the questions. Notice, but Abraham says, now notice, it'll be closer. My goodness, I gotta fly. It'll be closer than that was that this is the end time. Oh, children. Closer than that was, referencing these two examples at the end time. Oh, children. God have mercy on us. It would be even so real that it'll deceive the very elect if possible. I love that. If possible. He said, how do you go? How did you tell it in them days? How do you go tell it today? The same way. Stay with the word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. We're going to zip up really quick now. <clears throat> now, we'll take a teeny shift. You know, I'm not... We can look, and Brother Brown talks a lot on 
on a lot of different uh, doctrinal aspects and, like I said, baptism and different things that he was dealing with the dominations. And, and I just was thinking about Elisha and it says there's death in the pot. And just a little, they, when somebody went out and they got some wild gourds and they put it in the pot and it was death in the pot, it was poison. And just a little bit of lay, you allow a little bit of lay to see. I'm not, you know, people aren't, I wouldn't, I don't think people are wondering about, you know, do we baptize in the name of this, in the Lord Jesus Christ? That, that's, that's not I, I, where, where I would feel the people are at. I was just pondering, Lord, you know what? But you know what? We're in Laodicea. It's this soft living. And it, there's a whole lot going on. Whole lot of different men's and women's thoughts. And it's all over your social media. It's all over your news. And it's just pouring in there. And all these little things. And you start taking in some of these things. And they start filtering through your mind. And you start wondering, your, it actually, it don't line up with this at all. And so there's death in your pot. You bring it in those things of this Laodicean age, and there is death in your pot. And you better get the meal of Christ that's getting back into your little life and restoring life in your pot, or you will die. You be careful. I said it's not it's not the, the some of these doctrinal things that Brother Branham was was laying in heavy, but he was giving us truths and giving us instruction because here we had we had, we are now living the thick of a Laodicean age, and you better not get a thought. That is outlined here because it's death in the pot. My, I'm just burdened for, for that, that creep of Laodicea. And even much, oh, so much more even right now in the, the world's activities. I said, Lord, therein lies your danger. Therein lies our danger. And we have to, it's, Brother Bram says, how are we going to get in anything less than keeping the whole word? word it no one ever before us was able to get away it had to be the whole word he says it has to be the whole thing he's referencing genesis and he says oh well brother brown that was genesis he says i felt that <laughs> i felt that he says but i tell you whosoever shall take one word out of the book of this prophecy or add one to it his part will be taken away from the book of life he says that's the end he says, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He said, there it is. He goes, there's your three witnesses, Genesis, the New Testament, and today. All the way through, it's got to be word, all word, every bit of word, or you actually have no part of this and your name is taken away. All this, okay, all this, the importance of God's word. Okay, and the ability that Satan has through all the through different ages and through time, and here we are with with the false uh, anointed ones, and and these because all Satan's trying to do, he's trying to tarnish, he's trying to get this corrupt seed in your mind and deviate you away from the original word, because that's where there's life, that's where there's power, that's where there's salvation, that's where there's healing, that's where there's deliverance, that's where there's peace. It's all there, but if it's not the pure, unadulterated word of God, it's powerless because Satan is put in his own thoughts and it hybrids it and god won't honor it so that's why it's vital i'm just trying to lay down that's why this in its purity is so important all right and there it's a powerful sharp two-edged sword but mixed or misinterpreted then it becomes not god won't honor it and so satan's against that so heavily and trying to lay that trying to trip you up okay and I, I, i love how elijah was at mount carmel and he's building, he's at a showdown moment. And the Lord's telling him what to do. And he says, pour on, uh, I think it's three or four barrels of water. Whew, I think it's four barrels of water. So barrels, that's got to be pretty big. And four barrels of water goes on to this, onto the, uh, on the altar. And he says, do it again. So another four barrels of water. That's eight barrels of water. And here we go. He goes, do it again. 
another four barrels of water. It is, we're talking 12 barrels of water that have just been dumped and it overflows and everything. And Elijah says, at thy word, Lord. I did it. At thy word. He wasn't questioning nothing. Four bales of water. I mean, all this. How do you think the fire is going to come in? No, he just said, at thy word, Lord. It didn't matter the circumstance. Didn't matter how incredibly crazy it might have seemed. But he just said, at thy word, Lord. The same so did Peter coming off the boat, fishing every, all through the night. He was a fisherman. He knew exactly what he was doing. Peter was not no snuff on the sea. And so here he was. He fished all night. And Jesus said, go out again and cast your nets on the other side. He's like, I've just been fishing all night. And there's no fish out there. But at thy word, Lord. And he just said, I believe it. I'll take your word exactly as you say it. And what happened was he got a whole boatload of fish. Amen. At thy word, Lord. If you follow the word without any doubt, God will then perform his work. Now, here we come. We're going to wrap it up right here. And musicians, give me like two minutes and then you can come. (laughs) All right. Brother Bram says, here it comes. God's thoughts was his word. We're going to now jump a little bit back from where we're in the beginning. That's in eternity now. He said, in the beginning was the word, God's thoughts, and the word was with God. The word was God. His thoughts is what he was. That's you too. That's you too. Because you're in his thoughts. What your thoughts are is what you are. He says, no matter what you try to live, something else, your thoughts is what you are. You might go along and act like a nice fellow, but in the heart, you're an adulteress. So that's, he's talking about being a hypocrite there or whatever it is. It's your thought. God's thoughts was his word that was in him and in him. And it was God. Okay. So we got that laid down again. And the word was made flesh. God's thoughts was expressed then in a human body. So the word was then made, made flesh and all these spoken Bible prophecies, all the different types and reflections of him now have been made manifest and all of it expressed Jesus Christ in flesh. So the word was made flesh. That word became a real expression of who he was. Now manifest in walking, living form. All right, that word became manifest in flesh. Now, if you have eternal life today, you are in God. By God's being in you, you are God's expressed thought. Whew! <laughs> Let's catch this and we'll come down to another quote. You are God's expressed thought if you he's not you're now expressing what he thought he had you in his mind jesus christ was the word made flesh and expressed in flesh god had you in his mind and you are now his expression walking now at this time he says don't listen to any reasonings lest your crown be taken he says don't take any reasonings all just believe what god said is the truth and stay with it so we, now then we know, well, I'm God's thought. You can let that go through your mind. No, no, no. He says, the reason the elected, he says, won't be deceived is because they are that word. You are part of him. He says they can't hear nothing else. They only hear his word. So you can go through all of that. But if you're God's elect, if you're God's thought, and you're expressed now at this day and age, you can't hear nothing else but God's word. They know nothing else. That's right. That's why when the eagle screamed and you heard, hey, 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 I'm not, I'm not part of this world. I'm not part of this, this uh, Laodicean age. And the eagle screamed and saying, hey, child, come on, my child. Come out of her. You're not part of this. You're not a part of the world. You're a part of me. Because you are his. You're his thought. You responded to that. You weren't the chicken. You're the eagle, amen? Amen. You didn't wonder. The eagle didn't wonder how he was going to fly. 
You know, he didn't try and make some ramp or something like that. No, when he heard the eagle scream, all it was is suddenly just says, hey, that's me. And he already had it in him to start to fly. He says, start flapping them little wings. It's already there. Everything God had was already in him. And he then expressed his thought right there when God spoke to you. Amen. He said he wanted screaming high, but Abraham says up in the heights, above all the vultures and things in the earth. Hallelujah. He wanted to be that because it was in him to be that. Amen. And so as we talked about the orange tree, your life now to here today, God spoke a word and your life now is the interpretation of that word in this hour. Your life. You are actually the interpretation of God's word in flesh today. That's what that's what you are doing. You say, whoa, Mother Michael, where'd that come from? But Abraham says he was God's interpretation of the world. Jesus, he was the word made manifest. He was God's interpretation of the word. The word made flesh was Jesus Christ. Okay? But Abraham says, because he said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. And they are they that testify of me. There you are. He was the interpretation of the word. And every born again son and daughter of God in this age is the interpretation of the word. You are written epistles read and known of all men. My goodness. There we are. You are the interpretation. You're actually the expression of God's word. That's powerful. That is a powerful thing for you to think. I'm actually expressing God's word for my day. Interpretation in First Peter actually is, it's, it, it, the word is actually unloose, uh, unloosening. Unloosening. You're actually the, un, the unloosening or the unveiling of the word in this day. Your life is doing that. Unveiling Christ in your life. That's rich word. God's word says, I have a bride, spotless, blameless, justified through him. That's you expressing that today. You're actually interpreting that. God, it's not man. God is interpreting his scripture through your life. You're just walking in it. You're walking as a born again son and daughter of God. And you're, you are interpreting God's word. You're an expression of his word right today. His word said, it's not possible for the, the elect to be deceived. Okay. Well, how does that work? No, no. All you are doing is, is walking in his word and you're interpreting that. God's interpreting that scripture right through your life. He says, word says, she will overcome by the word of their testimony. Well, how exactly is that going to happen? No, all you're doing is taking him at his word, at thy word, Lord. And you're again interpreting that overcoming in every day living. Amen. You are the expression of God. Amen. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life. Musicians, why don't you come? Which is in the midst of the paradise. God's intention for his creation, man, is to express his words, to be an interpretation of the word of God. Isn't that beautiful? In Genesis, Adam was given the word to live by. A life lived by the word would be the word expressed. A life lived by the word would be the word expressed. And that is you. Amen. It's written. And the masterpiece of God overcame by reflecting the God's word. He says, that was the manifested perfect one given to the cross as the perfect lamb of God for the perfect sacrifice. And on the tree, he received the wounds unto death that we by him and because of him might eat of the tree of life that the life freely given would enable us to overcome and express 
the word of God. Glory. Amen. That's what you are. Just by staying with him, just by staying with this word, not deviating to left, not deviating to right, not taking in any thought of this wicked age, you're saying, Lord, at thy word, at thy word, and you will express his word. You will be the interpretation of the word of God in this hour. Amen. You will be an overcomer, and God's word does not return unto him void. And if his word is in you, it will never return unto him void. He said, my word will never pass away. And so therefore you cannot fail. You cannot pass away because you're his expression of his word. And you will live and you will overcome. Amen. I had one, one last thought. And I just at the end. And it's so incredible that you're, both of you are here. Because I actually breathed your name in prayer today, Brother Joshua. And I wrote down your dad's name on my notes. I said, oh my, here is my elect, Brother Muchi. I, I just wrote down, the standard is raised. I was thinking of a standard. Here in the end, Isaiah says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard. And so we think about that. You say, well, they're lifting up a standard. I said, no, the Lord is lifting up you. The Lord is lifting up his bride. He's saying, here's my standard. Here's what, here's what my word can produce in this day. Satan, you can come in like a flood. You can come against my bride and I'm just going to lift her up because at my word, they're taking every promise in the book is theirs and I'm lifting them up and they're overcomers in this Laodicean age. Amen. His words never changed. In this age, the carrier of the word might have changed through the different ages. Different ones have been his standard. But the expression of the word in this day is going to be you and you and every single one of you that is sitting on your pew right now. You are God's expression. You are God's standard showing that he's got an overcomer that will take him at every aspect of his word in this day. And you will overcome. Amen. Don't deviate off of it. Do not deviate off of this. Because that's by what you will overcome by, is by his word. And so I wanted to sing, his word will stand. Amen. I know it's a song you might not know, but I've been singing lots of solos here. So I'll sing one more. And those that are in the audience can sing with me. I want to say his word will stand. Amen. Though stars should fall and mountains turn to sand, Though no man believe it, still God's word is true. It don't really matter who is there. No one was even present when there. God said, let there be light. There was not even a person there to even try to disbelieve it. But it happened. Amen. Still God's word is true. His promise is sure. His love will endure. And forever his word will stand. I know some of you know it. So you're going to have to belt it out at your homes. Amen. And everyone here. Are we ready? Oh, stand well. His word will stand. His word will stand. Oh, the stars should fall and mountains turn to sand. Though no man believe it, still God's word is true. His promise is sure. His love will endure. Give me the chord there. One more book upon the shelf, but the message it contains cannot be still. 
Lord, I need to fill someone with life and joy. I need my words to be kindness. Or maybe it's just that. Lord, it'll be just something in their little script bank for them. We love you. We appreciate your word, Lord. Thank you for it. I have, Lord, I just, while our heads are bowed, while we're speaking to you, I just want to tell you how much I'm thankful for the message of this day. Lord, without it, where would we be? Thank you for the eyes, Lord, that we could see. Lord, listening to your prophet, listening to him scream out. Thank you for a faithful prophet. Thank you for him, Lord. Bless each one here tonight that's come. Bless each one that's in their home streaming. May they have a wonderful next few days. May your presence go with them, Lord, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed from your screen tonight from this little building, from our little sanctuary. Feel free to linger, as I know many do, and just in the atmosphere that's your home. God bless you tonight.